0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the podcast of Nonsensical Gamers. My name is Matt, and this is Boardcast News for June 25th. I am joined today by my two wonderful co-hosts, Dan. Ladies. And Tiff. Hello. All right, everyone, so we have news stories and Kickstarter spotlights. What's going on in the world today? Let's kick it off. Dan, tell us about the news. News.
1: Hello, it's me. I'm going to start it off today with the announcement that Asmodee, uh, apparently they have a digital wing, I didn't know this, it's called Asmodee Digital, Um, they announced that Splendor will be out for the iOS, Android, and PC, so on your PC to be Steam. So this is going to have um, what they've said is going to be pass and play mode, so up to four players. And then they're currently considering an online multiplayer, which in my opinion, they really need to consider that because I think that's the only way people would really be into this. I don't know. For me, apps that don't have the online multiplayer just kind of... I don't know. I like to play games with people. And the AIs are usually kind of boring, in my opinion. It's also going to have, for the single player mode, it's going to have, they call challenges. So these challenges are going to be, think uh, Suburbia, the app. It's going to be like slight little tweaks on the rules and the setup and the configuration with like goals and certain things that you want to acquire or uh, accomplish. So it's supposed to kind of help you play in real life, a little bit better. So this doesn't interest me in the least, except for maybe something to put me to sleep at night. But I could see a lot of people really digging it.
2: I think it's a good idea. I hope they do the multiplayer thing, because I think you're right about that. The board game apps that don't have any option for you to play with your friends, kind of, it's disappointing.
1: It's always silly. It's like, uh, okay, pass and play mode. That's cool. Or I could just pull the copy down from my shelf and we could play with those sweet, sweet chips. And for me, that's the whole... Experience for Splendor. If you take those chips away from me, yeah.
2: Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what the game feels like without the chips.
1: <laughs> like, uh, it,
2: is it still enjoyable? Because I like Splendor.
1: Apparently they're going to have, like, sound effects and stuff to kind of give you the feel of playing with the chips. But I was like, that's lame. The only I don't know. The only reason people like this game is because of the chips.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that is true, but I'm willing to find out by trying the app.
1: If you took the chips out, I don't think it'd be as much fun.
2: I think, I think you're right. I think that's probably why most people are drawn to the game. But I don't think it's fair to say that the only reason people like the game is because of the chips. People like the game because it makes them feel smart. I guess.
1: No? <laughs> no. <laughs>
2: <laughs> okay.
1: I don't know. I feel smarter when I'm awake. So, And that game puts me to sleep. So uh, moving on, just a quick mention. The Gen Con preview is up on BGG. So it's I think it's about eight pages right now. It's going to be a fluid list that continues to grow as more games are announced and more people are reporting the games that they're going to have there at Gen Con. Personally, looking through the list, there's really not too much yet that's piqued my interest. There's a couple of expansions. Obviously, Camelop and how uh, was the other expansion? Takinoko. Takinoko, that's the other one. Yeah, sorry. Panda Chibis. Chibi means baby.
2: I'm so excited. <laughs> I'm so excited about those little chibis. I uh I made my list already. I have a few things on there.
1: I'm going to be a little bit more particular this year. But I know Discoveries is another one I'm looking at cuz I love uh Lewis and Clark, so hoping that they don't ruin dice version of it but that's okay
2: the new nefarious yeah on that list
1: i is there anything else other than the abyss expansion (laughs) yeah there's there's better games
0: i wasn't aware uh i just i'm scrolling through this list and i'm literally just seeing empty words meaningless nothing that isn't the abyss expansion uh i won't i won't be there so i'm not doing too much in terms of looking through the list i mean i'm interested to see what's coming out but uh I think the Abyss expansion is the one thing that I'm excited for and I want to know about New York 1901 because I just want to know if it's any good and that'll be debuting. Other than that, I just haven't taken a good hard look at the list yet. So,
1: All right, keeping this sweet pace going. Um, speaking of expansions, there's a new one for Eclipse. Called Shadow of the Rift. Um, and this one is gonna introduce a couple of new mechanics to the base, including time distortion, evolution, and anomalies, which is kind of interesting. And it's also gonna have two new player boards and some more alien species, a lot of cool things that uh, time distortion and evolution. I'm, I'm really interested to see how they pull that off. This is a game, this was one of my first big purchases back in the day, and it just kind of fell by the wayside because. It just was so long, and just so many games came out after it. But this might reinvigorate me if it if it's done well, because uh, I think it's it's a good game. It's just one of those games that just frustrates me.
2: I love Eclipse, and I haven't I have the expansions, but I haven't played the ones that I have or haven't played all the aspects of the ones that i have so this like makes me feel more motivated to play those
0: (laughs) yeah we were talking about this yesterday for whatever reason because we were talking about like playing long games and i was talking to e um our little brother and he's not like a big long game kind of guy and we were talking about how he doesn't like long games and then for some reason we mentioned eclipse or i was like you well you've played eclipse and he's like oh dude i'll play eclipse any day and it's so (laughs) weird that he's like super into light casual games and then for some reason he has this affinity for eclipse so i just thought that was funny
1: yeah that's cool i i like the game i haven't played the other expansions it's just The base game always just, for me, just ended like one or two turns too early and it just, the ramp up just needed a little more for me. But it's a good game. So yeah, stay tuned for that. I think that's coming out in the fall. Awesome. Another expansion, I think we've mentioned this in another podcast, or at least on the site, and that's uh, for Istanbul. Um, They officially scheduled its release for September. The expansion is called Mocha and Bakshish. So this is gonna add uh, four new location tiles for players to visit, so that brings the total to 20. Uh, and then there's also a new resource, coffee. So you will be running around even quicker <laughs> throughout the board as you're hopped up on the sweet, sweet bean of life. And then there's um, also new versions of some of the old tiles, including the Wainwright and the Caravansary, Caravansary, Sorry, I always. Add, yeah, I always add extra syllables to that it's word. It's like
0: trying to spell banana.
1: Yeah. That's true. There's just a lot of anana.
0: Well, trying to spell banana before Gwen Stefani made it
1: real easy. Yes. Because that shit is bananas. B A N A N A. (laughs) I didn't know if you were
0: gonna you were going at a real slow pace there. I didn't know if you were gonna spell it out, but you did it.
1: I did. I spelled it right. Um, oh my. and they're also going to have uh what they call guild cards which are going to have new strategic options to explore so this sounds really cool uh the one thing that kind of made me go huh is that they've put an msrp of 49.99 which is what in the world are they doing and I,
2: that seems a little much for some titles i don't know if
1: some... that's a typo from the the thing I was reading, but that's more than the base game. I was gonna I say, think. is the base
2: game even that expensive?
0: I thought
1: the base game was forty nine ninety nine. So, oh my! I don't know. And you need the base game to play, so that's a pretty hefty price tag. I'm hoping it's a typo um, from the article I was reading, but I don't know. Other than that, I I'm interested in it because I think it, it it's gonna add a little bit of life to that game. I don't know if I'm investing a uh, hundred dollars into playing Istanbul. No. Sorry. No, this well, is I awesome. just
2: picked up Estemble at uh, Origins for fifteen dollars.
1: <laughs> yeah. So yeah, and that yeah, was just... half price. So base game was thirty, and they're going to expand it for. Fi- That's got to be a typo. I'm a. i am mm. I either typoed it or no. I checked. I double checked the article. So all right. So the article typoed it. Dan did not. Uh... Or maybe
2: uh, or maybe they're just AEG
1: has just typoed their pricing system (laughs) maybe there'll be one can hope (laughs) maybe it'll come with a base i don't know (laughs) it's just no it's kind of silly not a good move all right i
2: hope i hope you're wrong about that because i would be interested in like seeing what the expansion does to the game but not for not for that price
1: the base game for me needs something because it's kind of right it's just it's been played it's it's good it's a solid game but it's it's kind of one of those things that I don't want to say it's been solved, but there are specific things you do and then you're done, kind of thing. That's why you
0: shuffle the tiles. I Shuffle the tiles.
1: Yeah, but even then, it's only so much because certain ones have to still remain in place, and it's it makes it longer. It does do that. I don't know if it makes it more interesting.
0: All right, we have talked about Istanbul way too long. I am so bored. <laughs>
1: let's yeah, let's talk about sorry. a more exciting game. Splendor, not that game sucks. No, you okay. Catan? Catan. <laughs> all right. In the realm of those That was sarcasm, Tiffany B. That is I got it. Silly, okay, okay. Are you guys done talking? You didn't raise your hand.
2: <laughs> <laughs> now you know how I feel all the time.
1: <laughs> so anyways, Catan. Capital C A T A N now. Mayfair is going to produce a travel version of Catan, so this version is going to have the variable board like it has before and they're going to be kept safe in their locking drawers whatever that means the cards to keep them safe are going to have secure holder trays and then even the dice will have a hex shaped shaker so they can't get dropped and lost <laughs> so uh it's supposed to make it compact, handy and fit easily into your luggage which is strange i i don't know
2: so are they expecting you to be playing like catan in your car like on a road trip is that, that
0: when are you ever going to have enough time otherwise I like, don't if you're know. not road tripping what are you when are you going to play pocket catan
2: i don't know this <laughs> it puzzles me
1: you could play it in the carpool to work <laughs> <laughs> These are all valid points. I don't understand why people are still playing Catan this heavily that they need to have a travel version of it. Well, Some people are
2: just Catan players, (laughs) though. Like, I know groups of gamers that only play Catan and its various expansions.
1: So,
0: yeah, and if you pull your head out of the gaming hobby, like if you just come up a layer, a lot of people are only playing Catan because it's a great, like, they don't know that there's other games. The box
1: is not that big.
0: I'm just I'm just saying like Catan the t- Catan is a huge huge game oh, heavily played that. and when people are like oh you play board games do you play Catan and I'm like Psh, I used to play Catan <laughs> but they're like did you hear Pocket Catan is coming out like people are going to be excited about this because it's still such a popular game
1: I don't know that's Pocket Catan but it's luggage accessible Catan
0: I've got big pockets
1: so it's got <laughs> here's the here's the component rundown it's got one folding tough plastic box that's what it says <laughs> six double-sided plastic game board parts one dice shaker 97 plastic game pieces two plastic card holders and 134 spectacular cards I added, and you're
2: making this sound really badass it i'm surprised that they're so
1: not
0: awesome. like uh marketing it as like water resistant waterproof well there's cards you so can, they can't <laughs> you
2: can play it when you're scuba diving yeah
1: hundred and thirty four plastic cards play this at the bottom of the sea <laughs> i don't know it's just i'd silly. buy that for a dollar i Th- would for a dollar <laughs> so anyways but the one catch is though because of its unique design it's not compatible with anything else so no expansions or any of the extensions or promos so which it's strictly means that they get to Catan. print all the expansions again i guess yeah so this is scheduled for summer of 2015 So if you've got a road trip and you want to get your dice shake on in the car, boom. Travel Catan, done. Problem solved. Forget listening to the radio. Just pull out your tough plastic box of Catan and do it. And trade some sheep for wheat. Yep. Yep.
2: Excellent.
0: Wait, are we recording a Catan ad?
2: It feels like it.
0: Dan, you're a little too excited about Travel Catan. I'm not. (laughs) (laughs)
2: <laughs> <laughs> just to clarify none of us are let me clarify
1: that was that new story is in jest yes. completely anyways well if people understand my sarcasm they will anyways moving on so something else you can roll around in your hex shaped dice cup of awesome kataness is um rolling america so i know this looks like tiff because if you go back I don't know, maybe like five or six sweet, sweet episodes ago, tifted a hipster highlight on rolling Japan. So what Game Right has done is they've America-sized it, and they've made this a rolling America. So it's going to have a map of America instead of a Japanese city. And as stated in the same game that tiff described you're gonna you try to fill your map it's an abstract kind of puzzle game you roll dice and you try to fill out this map as best you can penalties etc it's gonna be 10 bucks which is gonna be awesome
2: it's too mainstream for me Okay. Oh, yeah <laughs>
1: yeah tiff only plays rolling guam
0: <laughs> now if you go listen to the episode it's like we just have a big white noise like redacted section for that hipster highlight yeah it's no longer hipster highlight. Nope. It's no longer it's hipster.
2: There are so many that like I've considered for hipster highlights that are like like all the oink games that are out on the geek store now. I have to take them off my hipster highlight list because you can just get those anywhere now. Yep.
0: Anything that's on the first ten pages of Google, Tiff
1: refuses to highlight. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. You have to misspell these games to find them. That's how yep. Tiff likes it. You know it. Some of them don't have vowels. Anyways, stay tuned for that uh, fall of this year. Like I said, MSRP is rumored at 10 bucks. It's game right, so I think that's probably pretty true. too. It. it'll be in probably a little cute container like all their other games. Next up, uh, this is a, uh, I guess, a cooperation between Alderac, so AEG, and Artipia Games. And this is called Dice City. And this is a game based in the kingdom of Roldovia, the majestic kingdom of Roldovia, which is in a state of turmoil. And basically the the gist of it is you are leaders of the country's influential noble families, and you're going to be establishing your provincial cities, et cetera, et cetera, to vie for the title of Roldovia's capital. And if that hasn't excited you, let's talk about the mechanics. Because in this game, And this part actually does kind of, it's dice crafting the locations in your city. So there's basically this grid board. So one through six on the top. I think, and then there's colors on the side, and the the dice I think are colored. I, I could be making this all up, which would be cool because now we have a game design to talk about. But um, <laughs> so the location in your city acts as kind of a changing face for the dice. So when you roll it, you could pick any. If you roll the red die, you could pick anything in the red row or something along those lines. So I don't know. It's interesting. It's just again, it's another dice. Placement dice rolling game, which seem to be all the rage now. Um, Artipia has a good history. AEG will probably make it extremely ugly because that's what they do. And I think
2: the art looks cute. It looks like Imperial Settlers.
1: Okay, well that's good because I don't remember what the art looks like as of this recording. But I just know that AEG has some of the most horrendous looking games, in my opinion.
2: <laughs> I agree with that. But this one, they—it's kind of like it's cutesy, probably artippy. Cartoony, cartoon-y.
1: <laughs> probably. I just hope that you can build a strip club in this mm-hmm. game because that's artipia's mo right no i'm kidding crossover (laughs) crossover (laughs) yep get the dice club expansion yep you can just start making your dice rain onto the board thunder clapping and stuff that's what you do in dice City. roll the dice that's how many ones used to Oh, maybe i shouldn't (laughs) so you could make like you could make like dice city like the good city or you could have like dice city the real kind of gritty the city the seedy (laughs) underbelly of dice City. exactly Welcome to downtown Roldovia. welcome to
0: downtown roldovia
1: well yeah look for that october 2015 rolling your way um uh, <laughs> see what i did there nice dumb a couple quick <laughs> things here uh ffg announced a new faction for battle second edition or two of them in their undead thing um terrors of the mist and heralds of the dreadfall in typical ffg fashion they try to make it sound as epic as possible but what they really are basically like ghosts and zombies probably there
0: is a zombie undead
1: dragon get out of here dan that is bad ass though i didn't read the whole post because as most ffg posts are they're just this like long-winded kind of immersion into the theme which i didn't really care about i just know it'll be available in third quarter 2015 and it's going to be purple it's going to be awesome
2: maybe we should have matt cover all the ffg news
1: <laughs> matt loves ffg
2: you aren't <laughs> the post
1: <laughs> i did basically too long to not read <laughs> my notes here say yada 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 long-winded theme available third quarter <laughs> All right, so and then just on one last thing to leave everyone with, um, Will Wheaton's mantra of "Don't be a dick" applies to everyone but him. I'm just gonna <laughs> leave it at that. That's it. That's yep, all you're gonna, gonna say, say about it, it. You're not
2: even gonna talk about why you're saying
1: that. Beaten. It's been a beaten. This is horse. the news. This is the news. Fine. Will Wheaton's a dick. There you go. <laughs> this just in. <laughs> just when we were excited about his retweet like two weeks ago. I know. I was starting to warm up to him. I've never really. Now I'm
2: ashamed of that retweet.
1: Anyways, go look at his blog if you don't know what I'm talking about. He threw one of his tabletop producers under the bus in a very, very unprofessional way because he got rules wrong to one of the boring games of Kingdom Builder that has three pages of rules and a lot of pictures.
0: And now he's paying the ultimate price and being ridiculed by a bunch of nameless internet trolls.
1: Yep. On Reddit. Godspeed, because Reddit. Well, and us. Yes, and us.
2: I'm not part of this, you are. but I agree completely.
1: you retweeted my image, so I know my, my Facebook
0: page was hijacked, <laughs> and a post was made.
2: It was funny. Was check funny. out the Facebook page
0: anyway And our twitter facebook dot com slash at League League not gamers. No,
1: no, no. at twitter at twitter. let's go into Kickstarter because I'm done all right oh sorry, did you have a sign off noise there
0: okay thanks
1: don't be addicted <laughs> we'll just loop that a couple of times.
0: Play it backwards so that people subliminally take that in. So it's time for kickstarter spotlight we have a couple projects that we want to talk about in depth and a couple that we're going to mention quickly the first of which is 13 days a game of the cuban missile crisis which will be ending on july 2nd thursday and it is well overfunded you're getting your game uh it is a twilight struggle s card game for two players that takes place during the cuban missile crisis they describe it as a filler game which i don't know if that's an appropriate or not i'm not sure if i don't that's know if right. i want to
2: play a filler about the cuban missile crisis
0: yeah that's what i'm thinking I, I it seems it's gonna be a little bit longer than a filler is what it seems like um but it's it's a basically a card game that's steeped in history it's not particularly like pretty looking but it's very historical and it's got a lot of real world images from that era um and you're basically maneuvering about the this crisis um, this kind of world event as either side um, so it's it's pretty interesting
2: i will say as historical games go it's not bad looking it's got pretty decent graphic design going on and it's not completely drab
0: the yeah, way no. a
2: lot of those games are
0: i definitely agree with that and this is a this is a point in history that's that I'm interested in. I mean, I wasn't obviously around during this, but it was recent enough that it's definitely something that we learned a lot about, and that I found was a very kind of interesting political situation that's not too far removed from where we are today. Um, so, as a fan of history, I think that it looks like an interesting game. So it looks like this game will be 44 bucks uh, in your hands, with shipping may or may not be included. It's not saying that
1: on the pledge level, but
2: it says post it's paid anywhere in the world.
1: You're on the wrong missile crisis, Matt. <laughs> Apparently, so this game's 44 bucks. Damn it, yeah, 44 bucks. Which I was I don't... interested until you just said that because I love yeah. the Cuban Missile Crisis. I mean, I'm glad I didn't have to live uh, through it. That's an interesting it. statement. <laughs> no, but I, I did, uh, I actually did a very long report on it in college, and it's just one of those topics that I have a lot of interesting so this looks really cool to me but 44 bucks for a two-player card game
0: i mean it's not outrageous if it's longer than what they're billing it as like if it's more involved than just a filler game i think that that's about the right price but if it really is this kind of like quick 30 to 40 minute game i think that's a little high i'm not sure
2: well it's saying it plays in 40 to 60 minutes so i would rank that as filler plus
0: yeah and it sounds like the Play of it. It, Maybe it's the gameplay itself that's a little lighter. I'm not sure. They don't describe it. I have to read the rule book, but anywho, it's out there. It's interesting. The next project up is one that I haven't looked too far into. I know of it. I know a little bit about it, but maybe Tiff and Dan can speak a little bit more about. This is The Gallerist, a game by Vital Lacerda. Um, It will be ending on July 5th. That's a Sunday. And it is funded as well. So another game that you can get. This is from Eagle and Griffin. Or Griffin and Eagle, which way are they going what,
1: these days? What is what isn't from Eagle and Griffin on Kickstarter?
0: They are a very popular Kickstarter avenue, but uh, I just for... hope they don't go
1: the way of Game Salute. But that's a different uh, conversation.
0: We'll for fifty nine bucks, you can get this game, and this is a Euro style game that is about collecting and displaying art. Right?
1: You're you're taking on the role of this like the gallerist, which is kind of this blend of an art dealer a curator and a manager so your job is to promote according to the theme is to promote and nurture artists buy and display their art or sell it as well and then exert your international influence to Mm -hmm. achieve respect within the art world it looks cool it's one of like four games that eagle and griffin does that actually looks pretty it is a nice looking game Except for the meeples. The meeples look like orangutans. Is it just me What? Look at the meeples on this project, everyone. Because their, their arms, arms are long. <laughs> their arms are excessively long. And it's I don't know if that's so they can carry art or <laughs> but they look like orangutans to me. They don't look like, they're not proportional. Uh, now they're <laughs> renderings, so maybe they just have a What 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 did you render them from? Uh, you know proofs from congo what is that (laughs) yeah but hey how about those like really tall skinny ones
0: that are in the game those look nice i didn't see those
2: they're not maples; they're pollens right those Those? those yeah yeah if you look at the renderings like like, of everything on the board they still look like orangutans
0: i don't know but on the board itself the little images of them don't look like that yeah they do not in this picture.
2: Well, in the picture I'm looking at, they On look On the first orangutan-y. unlocked
0: stretch goal, oh, which is at whatever. forty thousand dollars, even though they haven't gotten forty thousand dollars, so that's strange. But <laughs> looks good. If you're interested
1: in Primates selling art, this is the game for you. Yeah. And
2: if you want tiny little easel things.
1: Oh, love it. Three yeah. of them.
0: And then Cerda is the one
1: who did Kanban, Kanban, Kanban Vinyos, and Vinos. Heavy Games and CO two. Heavy game, But I've heard this one is not as heavy as Kanban, which Kanban's pretty heavy. Yeah. So that's I don't know if much. that's saying, I don't know if that just makes it heavy <laughs> as opposed to really heavy, but...
2: The board looks like there's a lot going on. Yeah, what
1: I love about his games is how he connects. He's got, I don't want to, he's got like a Feldian way of connecting everything in a really smooth manner, um, which I like, so... He's not felled because his games actually have theme, but the way he interworks the mechanics is really neat. I like that. Feld and theme are like hand in hand. Mm -hmm. It's like orangutans and art. Yep.
0: They go together like (laughs)
1: orangutans and art. Just saying. Look at the
0: meeples. (laughs) Meeples aside, let's go ahead and move on to our next project that we want to chat about. This is one that you've heard about before from us if you listen to the show. Uh, Because last episode, we had one of the designers, Matt Riddle, um, on the show. This is Monster Truck Mayhem, real-time Monster Truck Racing. Um, Like I said, from Matt Riddle and Ben Pinchback, friends of the show, and designers of games like Fleet and Floating Market and Eggs and Empires, one of my favorite filler games. And this is coming out from the publisher Dice Hate Me Games, who have done all kinds of fun stuff uh, like Compounded and Great Heartland Hauling and things like that. Uh, This is ending on July 12th. It is not funded yet. It's about a third of the way. And 39 bucks plus plus $10 shipping gets this game in your hands. So that's 49 total. And essentially this game, if you didn't listen to the previous episode, is a real-time dice rolling game like Survive Escape from Atlantis or Space Cadets Dice Duel, where you are racing around the Super Megadome Monster Truck track and you encounter different hazards and jumps and things like that that you have to navigate through in real time and you have special abilities on these cool super stylized thematic trucks that let you do different things like spin people out or uh you know fly through turns or if you're the cthulhu crusher you can make people go insane and drive backwards which is fantastic um
2: escape a curse from the temple what i say survive escape from atlantis whoops
0: uh (laughs) light games (laughs) light survival (laughs) games uh yes, I meant Escape the Curse of the Hidden Temple. I'm a dummy. Not it's okay. Hard. Yeah.
2: We'll forgive you. We'll let it slide.
0: But I do play Survive Real Time as well. It's very <laughs> hectic. Um
2: <laughs> That's tense.
0: Yeah, right. So, I guess So the... is camping.
2: <laughs>
1: intense. Ooh
0: intense. Uh <laughs> this game is an awesome game. We've got a preview up on nonsensicalgamers.com that you can check out. Um it is an excellent game that definitely deserves to be funded. But I think that we are gonna have a candid moment about talking about the reality of Kickstarter and why this project may or may not be attracting people. What do you think,
1: Tiff? That's oh, deep. Man. We I go from start. the we go from the Cuban Missile Traces to heart to heart on monster trucks. This is I'll, you know what, I'll go ahead and start this is off deep. and
0: you can riff off of me. <laughs> so I'm concerned, I'm really excited for Monster Truck Mayhem, I want this game to fund, I have backed it, I was a day one backer, I am concerned about its ability to meet its goal and kind of earn a whole bunch of cash and make everyone rich, um, which is obviously the goal here. And that is because I think that the design of the Kickstarter project is not enticing for backers who need to feel incentivized. Um, I think that projects that offer lots of minis lots of stretch goals you work towards something throughout the project you're getting all kinds of new stuff Um, rather than do something like that dice statement games have gone ahead and unlocked everything from the start the game is in a giant box it's supersized has these big 10 by 10 tiles that are like double-sided or you can move them around and all kinds of stuff it's got all kinds of cars and a full expansion in the game but that is all up front So when you look at the thing, you see, okay, I've got cool stuff, but you see that price tag, and it doesn't look as enticing as a game where you're going to unlock 80 minis in two weeks when everyone backs. So I don't know that the decisions made are helping the project.
2: Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, I think people have just come to expect stretch goals and come to expect those sort of motivators, and this one has everything unlocked, so everybody's kind of like, well, if I'm going to spend $50 on backing this, why not just wait till it's in retail, and then I could get it from, you know, an online retailer for less, probably, and I I, I don't know. I, I feel like I have mixed emotions on it, because I really want this game to get made, and I really don't mind that they unlocked everything. It's a really upfront way, but it's just so different from what we've come to expect. So they they have it all outlined on their Kickstarter page, kind of down at the bottom. They talk about how they originally planned to do it. The first stretch goal would have been unlocking the monster size of the game, and that probably would have gotten people really excited, and instead they just already automatically put everything up front so i don't know it takes away some of that circus excitement of unlocking everything and feeling like you're working together to to have all these things happen
1: pretty exactly what tiff just said right there at the end i think the stretch goals and we've talked about this before in episode what three when we did our kickstarter stuff but um i like simplified pledge levels but i still think the stretch goals they make the projects fun they make you want to follow along they make you want to root for something and cheer something on and it's not just like um a pre-order in a way um so and this isn't a pre-order just don't get me wrong i'm just saying it, it makes you feel like you're building something together you're increasing this project in some manner that's that's cool and fun and exciting so but a couple of the other things um at least not these aren't red flags but i could for me per se but i could see these being reasons why this might be uh, stuttering is um, a june 2016 release which is a year away from now Um, shipping people just uh, even though it's not that bad you would pay shipping from an online retailer but with kickstarter i think the mentality is there's so many games that have built it into their pricing that just seeing it you know, the, the psychology of just seeing shipping added to a game bothers people. Um, but for me, I, yeah, I don't know. I think they could have done things a like, little bit different. Adding the expansion right off the bat, I, while it sounds cool, I would have preferred to maybe see that as a stretch goal or an add-in and then lower the base game price. I think that would be giving you a little bit of option because it's a great game. As you mentioned, I really like this game, and I'm not huge on real-time games, but this one is a workout. It's fun. It's, it's just a lot of hooting and hollering, and I, I appreciate that, but I don't know. I would have preferred to just have the option maybe of like an add-on or working through these stretch goals with everyone, things like that. So that's all I have sure. to say.
2: I just have to mention the whole date thing. I think we've kind of gone back and forth on this, but I really, and I've said this several times, I really appreciate um, publishers that are that go on Kickstarter and put a realistic date. And I think June next year is a realistic date. And if it delivers early, it's a happy surprise. Whereas maybe people psychologically prefer getting a sooner date. And then when it gets pushed back, it's too late. They've already backed it. It doesn't matter. But I don't know. I I appreciate that, that they're not trying to play games with you. (laughs) Like they're not like, Oh, we, we, you know,
1: they're not playing games with you, but they're holding your money for a year which is psychologically doing that. I get it. But psychologically, like why say we're going to go June, 2016, but in the Kickstarter yourself, you say, but we're aiming to do it a couple months before that. Why not just put the couple months before that and aim to do that, if not better. So it's just, I think, and it's not, like I said, it doesn't necessarily bother me, but I could see it bothering other people because money is tight and there's going to be between now and June, 2016, there's going to be, 50 to 100 new games that are going to intrigue you and you might want to buy with that money. So I don't know.
2: Yeah, I guess. I just, I don't know. I appreciate the honesty aspect of it. And people complain a lot about, you know, Kickstarter exclusives. But when it comes right down to it, that's what people are expecting. And that's what's motivating a lot of people to back Kickstarters. I like that it's just all out there and this is what you're going to get and this is the price you're going to pay and there are no add-ons. Like It's just like any cool mini or not campaign. Yeah, you're going to put down $100, but they're going to trick you into paying $200. That's what happens. Yeah, but you're going to get,
1: you're also going to have the fun of sitting through the 75,000 stretch goals that you're getting with it. Which is... I
2: don't think that's fun. I do. Right? I don't know.
1: I love following their projects, even though I don't back half of them, but I just like (laughs) to see all the ridiculous amounts of things that just the, you know, word of mouth and people getting together to back a project brings about. I think it's cool.
2: Yeah. I mean, I, I understand it. Like, unlocking stretch goals is fun. But I also feel to a certain extent, like, this is them, they had all these things planned out, they're holding them back, and then I have to wait and see what I'm actually getting in the the end. And it's, you know, a lot of times it's a really good deal, and I've backed a lot of cool mini projects. I don't follow the campaigns, I just back it and forget it, like, most everything I back. Um, This is one of the few that I've actually been checking the updates and and care about. I feel the same way about this one as I did about Swing and Jive Cat Voodoo Lounge where it, I knew it was a good game I played it, I believe in it and I'm standing behind it and I'd rather put my money in this than The Gallerist which will get published either way. This game will not get published unless it gets funded and I I don't know that's a little bit different I think we're, we're used to the pre-order system.
0: And I would agree um, I think that it's tough, but it's nice to see a project that is depending on your funding because that's the spirit of Kickstarter. And that's like the big cliche is talking about the spirit of Kickstarter. But the that's, goal of Kickstarter dead. <laughs> it, well, it's dead and it for is, some people. yeah. Dead. And this is a project that when you look at it and if you're thinking, why in the world would I back this? Why wouldn't I just wait a year and buy it off the shelf? It's because you do not have the spirit of Kickstarter in mind. This game will not get made if you do not back it, which is why my money is sitting tied up right now. But to that point, I am not a Kickstarter creator. I do not fund projects. Chris Kirkman, smart guy. We interviewed him early in the show, and he's a friend of the show, and he knows way more about doing this than I do. But I see it as you need to go into these projects knowing that there is an expectation and that the community at large is not going to share in the spirit of Kickstarter. And you need to understand that when you design a project, people are looking for a grab and a deal and, and stuff. And I think that to neglect that is dangerous because you put your project at risk when you don't kind of pander to, even though it's not in the spirit and you want to be upfront and you want to be, you don't want to play the game. You got to play the game because a project that deserves to be funded is not doing well right now. or, or it's, And it's not that it's doing poorly. It's got plenty of time. I think it'll fund. I hope it funds. But it's not doing gangbusters like some of these other projects on day one. It's not got $3 million like a Cool Mini or Not project, which is an absurd... That's an insane amount of money. If you took a fraction of that, you could make this game and 10 others that you'd be playing over and over again as opposed to a Cool Mini project. But I don't know. I just... I don't know... It's dangerous to not play the game.
2: Yeah, I agree with that. And and the another thing that Dan brought up when we were talking before the show is that maybe maybe people maybe we're all overestimating how appealing the monster truck and and real-time aspects of the game are to the the audience at large. Now, I love monster trucks and I don't know. That theme is quirky and it's different. There's nothing else out there with that theme. But, like, maybe maybe it turns some people off. And real time definitely turns a lot of people off. It turns me off for the most part. But I do like this game. So, yeah. I don't know.
0: Well, and I'll bring up the point that I made before is that 3,000 people backed the escape not to survive, the, the escape <laughs> big box. So that's 3,000 people who are willing to give real time a try. And I think that the artwork and the design of this game, especially being able to to grab Benjamin Renault, who did King of Tokyo, the style of this game does not... I mean, it screams over-the-top monster truck, but it doesn't scream back alley country monster truck rally. It screams f- super fun, bright colored, like hyperactive monster truck mayhem like fun and and getting into a game as opposed to like drinking beer and being worried about getting punched in the face by a guy with no sleeves kind of thing (laughs) yeah Um. definitely
2: I mean it looks if you look at the box it is like wild fun kind of a thing and I think this is something I definitely get my you know teenage game group into
0: I think that if you don't if you think you don't like monster trucks and you're turned off by it this game might turn you on to the theme. Right. I don't think you'll be going to monster jam but it, like I think that this will sh- if you play the game it'll shed the preconception of like I don't like monster trucks because it's it's a race game. It's just crazy. But I anywho, go I on.
2: have one more thing. Okay. I, I know, I've, I've been really talking to a lot of people about this Kickstarter campaign this week. Like, it seems to be the topic that's just stuck in my mind. And I know I'm close to the project. I know both designers. I know the publisher. Like, he's a friend of mine. So I'll take everything I say with a grain of that. But uh, one thing they didn't put on the Kickstarter page, I think, that could really help is just how big the monster sizing of this game is. I had to ask how Big the tiles are. They're 10 by 10 inch tiles. Everything is huge. This is Dice Hate Me's first dragon size box, which doesn't really necessarily mean anything to someone who's just buzzing by this Kickstarter, but they've never done one this big. And the dragon size box is gigantic. And so, I don't know, if you look at the picture, you might not get the right idea of how big the game is that you're getting for your money. Plus, yeah. it comes with custom molded dice like 15 or 16 of them so
0: yeah i, think I don't know it's really nice it's an awesome game check it out yeah back it support a game that deserves to be funded or don't but consider these points in the future all maybe. of that <laughs> <laughs> all right well let's go ahead and move right along we've got a couple quick mentions uh the first one is called civicus the dice game or civicus dice game uh it is a two-player. Uh, civilization game that's expandable to four four players. Um, it's really slick looking. It will be ending on July 8th. Uh, it has not funded yet, but it's pretty close to its goal. It's got a $5,000 goal, and as at the time of this recording, it's sitting at about 3,500. Um, it looks it looks interesting. I didn't know about this until Dan brought it up. Um, I like the graphic design. I think the art's really nice. It's got some good pieces, so, so face validity, it looks like an interesting game. Um, the gameplay itself, I can't speak much to, um, other than that, they've got some nice testimonies of people enjoying kind of the Civ, Catan kind of mix that's going on. I think it looks
1: interesting. Dan, do you know anything more about it? It's a two-player dice game, Civ style, expandable to four. Um, it's got really nice art. Yeah, that's all I know about it. I have this one. Uh, I have this one marked as a reminder to look at later. And it looks like it's only twenty-five bucks, which is a nice price. Sure,
0: it's a good price point. So that is Civicus Dice Game. The next one up that we have is called apotheca this is from knapsack games this is a game that we did a preview for you can check it out on nonsensicalgamers.com it will be ending july 9th and it is already funded so the games will potentially be made provided they don't run off with your money i don't know
2: don't say that (laughs) andrew (laughs) fetterspiel would not run off with your money he's a good dude
0: he would not he's a fantastic guy i could
1: definitely catch him (laughs)
0: Uh, So this is a game about potion making the seedy back alley underbelly of a secret potion society you are... Um, essentially though it's like a puzzle game you're trying to maneuver different colored potions into rows um, using some cool individual like asymmetric player powers that you buy throughout the game it's really clean the arts really nice the game is a lot of fun we've really enjoyed it as like a light filler filler plus kind of game Um, plays well with two and three the four player game is a team game so you kind of have to be open to that It's got some really cool stretch goals that hopefully they'll be crushing to make the game bigger and better. Uh, Definitely one that I highly recommend. I'm backing it, and I'm looking forward to it. So that is Apotheca. We made it through another broadcast news. Thank you all for joining us. Uh, If you want to find us, you can search for us uh, on Facebook, the League of Nonsensical Gamers. You can go to BGG Guild number 2077 and join the conversation. You can shoot us an email personally at podcast at nonsensicalgamers.com or if you want to chat with us directly, you can find us on the Twitter. Tiff, if people want to reach out to you and be best friends, how can they find you?
2: I am at IneptGamer.
0: And Dan, I your friend quote is all filled up, right? So you're not accept, accepting applications. But if people want to join the waitlist for being your friend, where do they find you? I have no waitlist
1: for friends. You are all my friends. I love you dearly. Matt, pew pew. I try to set these situations up just to see how you'll respond, and you never let me down, Dan. Nope. I love everyone, equally. Um Equally. <laughs> at League Nonsense, that's the League's account that I take care of. And my personal one is at scandalous underscore nad N A D.
0: Very cool. And I am at Cinnamon Buns, and you would spell that phonetically. Good luck. Bye.
1: Toodles.
2: Bye. <laughs>